Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey Hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also by Ideaspace, a nonprofit supporting innovation and technopreneurship as a path to nation building. Ideaspace runs an annual startup competition. For more information, make sure to sign up for their newsletter at ideaspacefoundation.org slash connect. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. Starting up my own company was always somewhat the apex of my like dream. Like You climb the corporate ladder, but not just to get to the top, but to learn as long, along the way. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ron Sturbeet-Yong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustler Podcast. We are going with a really good friend of mine who I've met a long time ago and have met a couple of times in multiple stops in his career. And I want to just highlight because this guy is a real digital master. There you go. Because he's been he's been really doing digital since the start of his career, and now uh, paying it forward to you guys on this podcast. But before I get carried away, let's welcome to the show, Mr. Ash Madian of Quanta Digital. Whoop, whoop. Ash, 
welcome to the show. And bro, it's been a while since we last talked. Hey, Ron. Yeah, it's really been a while. Thank you for inviting me. Happy to be here. I know you've kind of said that we'll have this a few times in the past. So to finally do it and be invited in your show is an honor. So thank you very much. It's a pleasure. It's only a matter of time. Last time I saw you, we were still in Cebu. Is that 2019, yeah. right? It's like, gosh, shout out. <laughs> You're still in Cebu. Yeah. And I was still doing heavily chatbot. So now we're doing two separate things. And again, also echoing when I first met you, Long time ago, I was still doing guest list party files back then, and you were with SM, so that, that was yeah, yeah. I do remember, I, I remember keeping your card thinking it'll get me into every club and you know, <laughs> make sure that I have a very fruitful uh mid 20s nice. lifestyle. Yeah, that's what I was doing heavily before until I literally retired from the party life. I am just a Tito full blown, <laughs> but again, Likewise. before I get carried away. I always ask this, the million-dollar question. Ash, what's your hustle? So uh, my hustle, as you mentioned, I've been in digital for quite a while. I've seen the industry shift. And my hustle is really to get others on board and understand the value or the business impact that can be driven Mm -hmm. through digital. Because definitely it is a change there. But... um, where I'm coming from or the perspective I see is there's still a lot to be helped. There's a lot of people that want the guidance and I'm here to basically offer that support. That is amazing. Uh, but again, bro, I just need you to buckle up because we can't be talking about digital without digging up the past because we're going to have to ride the hustle share time machine. Sure. There you go. It's just a little bumpy bro. Oh, oh, oh. oh my there we go. Hyperspace right there. Okay, so Ash, what I want to understand is again, before you became the digital uh Jedi that you are, that that, that you know, there's there's Dark Vader right behind you. Okay, if you or if you're a Sith and the digital the digital uh the digital Sith Lord, whatever floats your boat. But I want to right. understand how you got into at least the how you immerse yourself with digital marketing. Because you know, in school and whatnot, how you grow up, nobody teaches that. A lot of this was trial and error as we grew along. But what was uh, growing up like and what were what are your early hustles that you remember? So, yeah, probably how I got into digital was through a BPO. Um, so my second job uh, was working in a BPO. We were catering to back then Yellow Pages in the U.S. And we were outsourcing for Google um, back when the, we, it was in that big yet and was halfway between a search engine and uh, multiple like a business listing site so that was a long time ago by the way uh so i think that's where it is and i started seeing businesses throw in money to say build out a website Uh, back then the main goal was to have somebody fill out an inquiry form not yet Mm e-commerce uh and definitely uh, was a good start Lead gen was the way, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and my clients back then were like your mom and pop kind of guys, right? It was your uh, neighborhood carpenter getting somebody to book a repair or right. a plumber. Those are the things. So definitely that was where it started, the curiosity and the appreciation for it. But what were the skill sets like at that time? Because again, lead gen, you know, and there there wasn't really a lot of rules to play by. So it's sort of like a wild, wild west, you know, CPM was crazy, you know, all these things are pretty much, you know, you go figure it out. And if you see some, some, some 
a thing you can exploit, you exploit it hard. Um, at at the Legion point of view, because still now this is still a big, big. Uh, it still exists. You know, the the chat the, the channels change, but Legion has always been uh, 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 a very lucrative market. But at that point, when you saw that, hey, this is this is something digital. I'm pretty sure digital wasn't even the name of it yet. Right. Those skills that you learned also, and what were the 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 rules of engagement at that time? Because a lot of what we have now, I mean, looking at it hindsight 2020, was forged years and years and years back of you know best practices that people try to figure out. But what was that like before? So back then, and, and maybe just connecting back, since we were catering to yellow pages, it was just uh, they were just trying to digitize the whole yellow book, right? And mm-hmm. and getting your business on the list makes other people looking for that type of service find you. And so that was the main goal, right? And how can you be discovered? How can you be found? Um, but in terms of what was being done or how we did things, definitely there are a lot of tricks that, you know, today might, the, the web crawlers are a lot smarter. But for example, a business will put, so many businesses will register like triple A, quadruple A, uh, five A's in a row, yep. just so that they're on the top of the list. So those were <laughs> things that, you know, the hacks so, <laughs> Yeah, so back then it's like it's probably how Filipinos are doing pesos price on your right. um, probably marketplace now. So it's just mm-hmm. to get on top, right? Um, alternative things we were doing SEO back then, but the type of SEO we'd look at was very very crude. So we'll put the right words for search as white color on a white background, and what? that's the way you get. <laughs> so so it's not what's written; it's what's behind it. The wow. crawlers were. Uh, kind of identifying, but that was a long time ago. Right now, there's context, there's user experience that gets into a play. Got it. But yeah, that's definitely it. How, how did you dive in deeper? Because again, you, you got exposed to the Yellow Pages. I remember my first job was also similar. I was a telemarketer. I was getting, I didn't realize it was a scam. <laughs> they were just <laughs> doing these uh, local business leaks. I was an 18-year-old doing call center as well. But when did you really get you know knee-deep I, I would say, into the world of digital and how businesses can leverage it. Was it the same job or was it a different stint? So I think on that job, I, I wasn't an agent. I was really, uh, my role was marketing or business development. Okay. And so I was actually utilizing what we were selling to acquire clients from the U.S. So oh. that was the first part. Because, uh, yeah, my boss was not sending me to Las Vegas for those trade shows so instead i had to kind of telemarket my own way yeah so so that was one but what really drove it in terms of total business i think i was fortunate when i was working for asam that i i got to sit in a niche where you do start up with not as much of the risk i think uh so i got to pitch my ideas to uh among the wealthiest families in the country tell them what is possible and they back it up like VC funding in-house. But wow. yeah, that, basically that was the learning point. That's entrepreneurship at its finest right there. But at, at, uh, again, you, you just to double down, at SM, this is 2012, 2014, right? SM was always at the forefront. I remember pitching you in MOA or is it in Aura? I forgot where, which it was. It was the cinema right outside with, with Alan Florendo of, uh, as, yeah. as well. And um the, the main thing is that at that age, SM has always been uh, 
ahead of the game compared to again uh, a lot of its, its its counterparts in investing into the future that uh, as well especially in in their experience businesses right like cinema and whatnot right but in your in your thing what were these pitches that you were doing uh given that you know you already had that heads up where everybody didn't even have an idea what was possible so well i think what the pitches so you're right as long as it's connected or benefits the business it was something they were willing to explore so a couple of the things that came out from that time was creating uh a, an online ticketing uh platform uh nice. to sell since they built out the arena so they built out the arena they have a concert space uh do we rely on ticket net or do we build our own SM tickets. Mm-hmm. And if you build or you pitch that kind of concept, they see the margins. Oh, I'm going to be paying X percent profit share. Right. That goes here. So back then expected ROI was not nine years. It was, can we get that in 12 months or less? What? So, so generally that that's how it crazy. That is crazy. And that should actually, um, how startups, whether it's bootstrap or whatnot, think. That there should sure. be that pressure because sometimes uh, a tech startup founder would come in and say, "Yeah, I'll read that. I'll, I'll bootstrap my way. I can take my time, you know." But that pressure of ROI or you're dead or they pull the plug, you really become creative in making sure that really flies. And for you to stay at almost four years for that, I'm pretty sure you got those done. But what were those struggles and uh, the the key hustle points that you remember yourself? Um, Plowing through in order to hit that very, very un- almost unrealistic target. Well, uh, there's two parts, right? One is uh, the pitch. The internal pitch is crazy because you think about multiple departments you have to get on board, multiple, um, say, precedents of different business groups or different yep. sub companies of the conglomerate having their own agendas and how do you yep. get to stitch that where everyone comes out as a winner uh, wow. was definitely one of the things that I learned there. Yep. And still to date, I, I, I understand how, you know, you talk to large corporations and why it's a challenge. Definitely somebody internal has to know how to navigate and pitch. Yes. So definitely that's it. So it's the bureaucracy that you had to overall, let's just call it what it is now. For- yeah, right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Maybe call it that. Right. <laughs> but but taking it forward, like you appreciate because you you learn what's in it for somebody. There's always that what's in it for them kind mm-hmm. of style. Got it. Now for skill sets, I want to understand this. And again, it's a rapidly changing environment all the time. And you know, it can be e-commerce now, and tomorrow it's gonna be chatbots or whatever. There's always this new thing that pops out. What were those things that you had to? equip yourselves with given that you have to have these all these pitches and what did you surround yourself with in terms of people in order to keep you up to date because it's really knowing and having that insider information sometimes before something blows up or else you're going to be at the long tail right uh how did you find these right opportunities to pitch and uh you know how did you master that skill i guess because i'm pretty sure once you figure out how to get those trends before they become a trend right it's, it's always something you, you you carried on because down the road, you become Lazada, Facebook. Oh, my God, right? You you can't be playing with those guys if you're a laggard, per se. <laughs> right. Uh, well, 
I think there's one is keeping, you know, like talking to people like you, uh, definitely like there is a community in the Philippines. Like there's this favorite page I have. It was, it's startup PH, you know, you see so many yes. random ideas and so many things out there and just keeping an ear to the ground of what's happening locally, what's happening across the region. Uh, maybe not look as far as the U.S. all the time, but even just neighboring countries like Thailand, Vietnam, you know, they're probably just, if, if everyone was saying five, 10 years ago that the U.S. was five years away. Um, in Southeast Asia, your difference was, you know, they're probably just a year away. And right. that's something if we start doing now, we'll be in the same spot next year. So generally, that was it. Got it. So keeping tabs of not just your neighborhood. Because again, that's also one of the things that... Uh, the mistakes that local startup founders they're just too enamored with what's in their neighborhood but in reality they can literally replicate uh, an existing business model and localize it and call it your own and put the yeah, nuances in between that's basically what Lazada is and <laughs> right they tried to build an e-commerce platform at the start they were trying to be Amazon mm-hmm. then they became more of uh, Alibaba then they got acquired and became really Alibaba exactly. now let's so, talk about there we go. Lazada because uh, I know you, after SM, you did a quick stint in iProspect, but I want to get to the next big uh, tenure that you also did. So from SM, walk me through wh- how you did you evolve? Because from SM, you were business unit head for digital marketing e-commerce. But in Lazada, you're already a VP. How, how so, did you mature uh, perf- personally to equip yourself with such a big and again, more fast-paced environment at that time. So maybe let me give you, well, so I'll think maybe a little step back into SM. Um, okay. As much as I was a business unit head, I mm-hmm. sat on, I was fortunate enough, and I probably was the youngest person at that time, awesome. to sit on the table of all the senior VPs or presidents wow. in annual plannings and everything. So oh, wow. uh, that's because, and the reason for the, that is probably because, you know, the rest of them, basta digital, they let the young guy do it. Like, you know, you see probably a lot of the corporations do that now. Let the uh, junior let guy go figure out. on that one, though. But, Ash, sorry, but walk us through, because not everybody gets that chance to be in those rooms. What are the things you talk about in those meetings like? Because, again, they pick you all. Young guy, you do the digital ones. But what are those things that the president and the senior VPs care about at that level? That that on, only you, I guess, had the ability to hear from, and what are what, what do they care about the most? So, well, there's two things, right? Uh, a company like this, uh, where they're number one in their field, yeah. is looking at how do they widen the gap, right? And mm. so, as much as SM, for example, was number one in the Philippines, right? You put them side by side with Walter Mart or put them side by side with, say, um, a Costco. There's still room to grow, right? Sure. And on that, what I did was took a lot of um, initiative in terms of researching what are these guys doing and bringing it to the table. So it's not totally new mm-hmm. in ter- this space, but new in terms of packaging or localizing it to that company and saying, Makes okay, sense. this is what we have. This is what they did, and how do we localize it? Wow, that's amazing! And the the, the metrics, I guess. Uh, the is it all about revenue at the end of the day? Like, okay, how how uh, widen the gap is not just execution, but I'm pretty sure 
that the, the the revenue and the profit should also be at an uptick because you're a publicly listed company for and then that 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 should matter right so that's where the pitching internally happens it's who's the company that's willing to adopt a project and mm. you tuck it under their pnl uh <laughs> <laughs> budget so talks good luck right. <laughs> right but but uh maybe on a side note i think i i would commend say even the head so um i i was fortunate enough to get you know the ear or got, get meetings with say hansi every now and then mm-hmm. and he'd listen he's curious he was he was open to ideas right and that mm-hmm. definitely was my lucky break um wow. i don't think if you know if i got the wrong person to share these ideas to uh then it might have gone nowhere right got but it. i got the right ear for it so that, that was a lucky break as well okay so sorry I, i cut you off earlier again when you were talking about how you transitioned from sm to lazada but going back to that to that uh, to that because uh, i just got really curious what happens inside in those types of those conversations walk us through that again again coming from Uh, being a business unit ahead, being in the right room, and then all the way through, again, Lazada pre-Acqui, technically. Um, well, yeah. So, well, for context, back then when I was in SM, I, I and having your ear to the ground, you hear about Lazada coming up. You hear about um, all these businesses coming alongside it, a bunch of, um, you know, startups together with Zalora and everything. And you're thinking, hey, you know what? I'm the big retailer here. It's my responsibility to keep those guys at bay. Yep. And so part of the pitch internally was, hey, and back then Lazada was not even a marketplace. Yeah. They were a tech e-commerce company. So they were selling your cell phones, your laptops, Correct. not everything under the sun, which it is today. Right. Um, and back then I was saying, you know what? Let me do that. Let me talk to CyberZone. We have to make CyberZone into a marketplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were trying to talk to the malls and also basically get every tenant to um, start selling on a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, you know, back then, I think it was too early or the model wasn't clear. Um, at that point when I was pitching it, the clearest model to them was group buying. So ah, that's the comparative yeah. picture for them, right? And they're going like, why are we going to do that? Or can we make sure that they come to the mall to collect? Not that that was a bad idea, but like your comp- competition was making things completely different. And um, that was the push, honestly. So not being able to land that project or kind of go back and forth on that project made me explore and really want to move into Lazada. I passed my application to Lazada. Wow. Uh, it took them seven, six months to get back wow. to me. Uh, so, <laughs> What do they do? So, if you're so I got something in between. <laughs> It's like, hmm, is this Partly, an SM guy trying to copy us? <laughs> uh, we were trying to build a deal with them. So wow. there was that as well. Got so it. there was an SM starting to, or at least the retail part. Trying to build a partnership with Lazada. Imagine if that pushed through. They didn't have to compete at all. That would have been a record-breaking deal as well. But now, again, Lazada, SM's trying to do catch-up with Lazada because uh, of that deal not materializing. Or or do I not know anything? <laughs> Something behind the scenes that's supposed to, to not so, be public knowledge. So there were many, like halfway deals like deals that then pushed through there was back then 
a Rakuten deal that uh, could oh, have man. happened, but never happened. Um, and there were other projects alongside, like loyalty program, that mm. were tested. So definitely, SM did its own share of testing. Uh, they they did smack. There was also another thing called uh, E Plus, uh, mm. which was I remember this supposedly yes. a competitor for Beep. Mm. Competitor for Beep. So a lot of those things fell under Octopus the umbrella line. of my yeah. There yeah. you go. So definitely that was that was a backstory there. So, um, but definitely Lazada changed my perspective in terms of pace, in terms of how yep. things are done, um, and like the sheer. So coming from a traditional company, you enter Lazada and suddenly everything had to be done yesterday. So yep. <laughs> that's basically the pace you start learning to work at. Right, right. I, I've I've heard about the breakneck speed because I've had also former Lazada peeps pre-Aqui in here. And let's talk about a lot more of your experience at Lazada. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with Ashman Yan again of Quanta. But before we talk about that, let's talk about his experience going from SM Supermalls go to Lazada. Again, at break next week, I've had some of your former colleagues here. Again, one of my uh, better friend, uh, good friends as well, Mike Modi. I think you were in the same uh, uh, rooms with him during the pre-Acme Lazada days. And also, uh, we had Saul Moya, right. uh, who also was here right. before. And again, uh, the, the founder. Again, a lot of you former Lazada peeps are doing something amazing now. And they talked about the breakneck speed of being able to be 1% better at least from what you were last year. 
at least, ah, at least, we'll talk about how intense Lazada was pre-acquisition. So I think one, uh, the intensity is one. It was an open space for ideas, right? Uh, I entered and you had ownership for your idea was the best feeling and the scariest feeling yep. entering into that startup, right? Because if your idea tanks, right, like then you your credibility is gone. Yep. But if it works, then you get an opportunity to prove or test another one and so on and so forth. So definitely, I think that was one of the highlights. And that teaches you a couple of things like responsibility on like end-to-end. Because back in uh, previous jobs, you kind of get everybody sign off. Right. And so if it tanks, you were, like, you, you were all on board. We all agreed that this is what we do. It right. tanked. I'm as like one percent in trouble, but everyone else gets another person, <laughs> right? Right. In Lazada, it was it's all you. What did you do? Where's the output? Right. I remember okay. um, getting called out by the CEO back then, and not asking me why did I do one thing, and I might have my reason, but then the end effect wasn't that reason. Uh, wasn't something I considered. So mm-hmm. I remember getting called out, and I I really took that to heart. I was like. Okay, that's my responsibility. I was trying to solve my um, sort of problem in my corner of the world yep. and forgot to take a step back and take a look at total business. How did that impact total business, right? Mm. So that, that basically taught me how to do that step back experience yeah. and look at how the total business will be affected by each action. Got it. Now, the, describe a little bit what your responsibilities were in Lazada, just so that uh, for, for context as well. And what were those daily grinds like? Because again, I'm not sure if Lazada, as we know now, is Lazada because, of course, the Alibaba money, right? Um, or Tencent, forgot. Alibaba, right? Uh, Alibaba. Alibaba right. money. But what were your, what was that part of the world or that little bubble that you had? And what was that? What was the metrics that you had to drive? Because I'm pretty sure you had a big contribution towards that acquisition. Because if you didn't do your shit, no, there's no Jack Ma that will come knocking at your door for sure. So uh, maybe the metric that really belonged to me was end-to-end lead time. Uh, wow. So, so, and later on that got split, right? But okay. um, as the company grew, then different divisions got involved. But when we or different sort of that divisions got segmented. But when we just joined, um, the marketplace platform was relatively new. Sellers selling on the platform were all just, you know, starting to make their first millions basically out of it, right? And these were guys. Back then. Exactly, Steve C, right? You know, I I remember, it's so funny, like right now he's such a big guy, right? Dude. Um, But like, there's so many of them where they were starting out from like selling random stuff like uh, cell phones, gadgets, power banks, anything, right? And my point back then was to make sure that they start packing things as soon as it's placed as an order uh, or they supply the warehouse so we improve efficiency. Got it. So back then, today, if you order from Lazada, you are not surprised if you get the product in two to three days, yep. sometimes even the next day. Yep. Back then, the goal was to get it to you in a week. Yes. Right, it was. It used to be longer than a week. So, right. uh, definitely calculating how long does each person take uh, to get the order, to pack it, for the pickup to come, for the pickup to get it to the sorting center, and then all the way to get it to your 
wow. customer in Cotabato, and all yeah. that's being measured. That's so crazy. those are things. Now, how did you make it at least at, at, during that time? Last question before we move to your next gig. How did you make it from seven days to a day? Because that I also remember of 2015 to 2017. Same day or pretty much 24-hour delivery started happening. But I'm pretty sure there was a lot of tweaks and kinks you had to fix during that time, especially if that's the metric you're in charge of. So a uh, couple of things. Uh, the first one is really training these sellers because as much as you know, uh, they were getting on the platform, they didn't know what they were getting into. Some of them had their day jobs. Uh, mm. So they'll look at the order over the weekend, pack it on Sunday, and ship it out whenever. So every order from Monday all the way till the next Saturday gets pending, right? And those things we had to select the sellers. Uh, so things that we initiated was really scoring them, giving them a scorecard. And you know, you give somebody a scorecard, they start working towards a metric that they know. Mm-hmm. Um, down to, we also went to individual stores. We went, we packed with them, we showed them how to pack. We, we created tables, we, even as simple as assembly lines right these are things we taught them how to do like you know somebody takes care of picking the item he's not the same person wrapping it up and boxing it up you could pass it on and somebody does that and they get really good and really fast at it so those were things we brought to the table and right now i I see certain things that you know we were doing with certain sellers uh recommending it as rough ideas and you see warehouses now it's standard like yes. putting the bubble wrap over the table. Correct. I I've seen those big pictures. Right. right. Um, we were we were basically hacking those things out and wow. um, putting those to the table. So yeah, those were the days. Okay. Weekends in Benondo mostly. <laughs> <laughs> now walk us through the acquisition. How what was the team like? Because again, a lot of the former Lazada peeps, ex Lazada peeps, have again eventually decided to like, all right, I'm out also. But what was that feeling like, knowing that, holy shit, we just got acquired, guys? Uh, uh, was it, again, a lot of uh, nervous tension that's going on or just a lot of elation at that time? So um, the exact details, maybe I wouldn't share, but definitely sure. there were a few um, before Alibaba closed in, right? There were definitely different um investors that will come in look and mm. visit and there were certain the way we'd fix things is everything every day there was one problem to solve and how do you look at it mm. personally from somebody inside it was like you know uh you're on a boat lazada was running out of funds yeah. uh and you're basically patching one hole after another to keep yourself afloat correct uh they did really smart stuff like you know hack the way they did marketing back then. Um, They reduced the subsidies that they were playing. Definitely referrals was amplified. And that was definitely one of those things that were explored. And then on our side, we started policing the quality of sellers that we have on the platform. Back then, you know, it's anything goes to Matt. We started putting in QA teams just so that better brands get on and build confidence with the platform. So definitely there was a lot. Got it. Uh, So, to answer, it was you had a long list of problems. The work you had to do is ruthlessly prioritize which one was the biggest hole that you had to patch up for the week. And then once you're done with that, you move on to the next hole to patch. 
one at a, one day at a time and see that you don't sink. Right. Not too many holes or pouring yeah. in water, then you're going to drown. Okay, now let's talk about the most recent cool. gig before you went full-blown quanta. You were, again, the head of client solutions in a very, very, this is still fresh, all our conversations in Facebook. Well, you, you were head of client solutions here at Facebook here in the Philippines. And again, you were there when the local team was formed. Walk us through that new metric now that you were talking about. And now in the under Zuck, you know, because you just for context, guys, I work with Ash when messenger bots were literally just popping up. So I we went hand in hand. And again, messenger bots, I will forever be grateful for that opportunity because through that I got my company acquired. Right, twelve months after I put it up, right, and again right. we 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 are still plowing through till now. Though it's not that easy now because of the fucking pandemic, but we're still here, right? But walk us through and on the Facebook side of things. So I knew what happened on the the the, the bot developer side of things. What were those metrics you were trying to do when you were in Facebook when you were starting out here in the Philippines? Well, uh, so I was on the business side of yeah. Facebook, so our metrics were not your daily active users or, but those things definitely benefited us. Yeah. Uh, what we were looking at is the seller or the advertiser adoption of the tools, their understanding of the tools and the way they use the platform. Are they, because what happens here is you have a project manager and an engineer put together a fantastic tool. But if the user doesn't know how to use the tool at the end of the day, it's a waste of a fantastic tool. So um, our goal was to get the right brands uh, with the interest to test, uh, to get these tools tested, and then also um, get a lot of learning back into the company as well as back out to advertisers. So you get the learning in and say, this tool's working better, that one's not. Um, Mm -hmm. And then back to the advertiser, these are the best tools to work with. This is current best practice utilize it and then of course those things change uh year after year actually so mm-hmm. not even, you don't have to wait too long maybe within a year things already change so and that's how those, things work those changes were rapid so i've seen you know uh instagram stories blow up instagram uh all these new features coming in and out right away but how do you prioritize which one to really um throw into the right businesses because again every business that comes in through facebook has a different agenda different metrics and also there's a big skill gap a lot of them only know facebook would probably oh i can boost my page and whatnot but there are people who are advanced that hey let's get a chatbot and totally automate that flow how did you manage in between those that that wide chasm that you you had to play around with so i i think there was um at least a few things that help make that easier. The first one is um, the network that Facebook uh, applied internally was very similar to the network externally. It was so easy to connect to anyone and learn. So, you know, putting my ear to the ground within Facebook was like with a megaphone to your ear. You could find out what's happening across the globe in seconds. So that was one good source. The second thing that we did was of course focus on the business impact. I think one thing Facebook was keen to do is make sure that at the end of the day, they're not just selling their solution, but they're seeing does the solution work? 
for the business we work with. And that ended up with us building playbooks by industry, uh, strategies mm -hmm. by vertical almost. And wow. that's how it came through. Okay. How much of it is follow through? Because even if you do <laughs> playbooks, again, giving a very complicated gun to a total neophyte, or again, depending on who's, who's going to wield the sword per se or wield the gun, um, how much hand-holding did you have to do in order for them to figure it out? Or, or was the product so seamlessly easy to understand that even an idiot can, 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 can get it done? Because again, it, the, your success also depends on their participation. And I'm feeling that crunch now, especially in podcasts, right? Yeah. Like, okay, there's a podcast. What is a podcast? And how, how do I wield that? And there, again, there's, right. there's a gap all the time that you have to fill. How do you bridge that? How did you bridge that gap, though? So, yeah, definitely majority of the time was driving that education down, educating them on what was possible. Um, then when you get a positive response of uh, the right person being curious or wanting that output that you've mm -hmm. put in front of their table, then you get down with them and really work it out. And no, it wasn't easy. So half the times, you know, some of these solutions that we're running with some of the clients were in mm. alpha stage or beta stage, yep. and they were clunky as hell, right? <laughs> they break down. Uh, yep. So not everyone knows about it, but internally you see the breakdown every day, right? Yep. And, and so you have people, and I was fortunate that I had a fantastic team uh, who could really put things together and really uh, you could rely on them to kind of see the, the whole thing end to end. Yep. So I think that made it easier. It's knowing that, you know, you don't have to micromanage uh, the people in charge were highly capable. Got it. Last question before I take our last break. I want to find out again, I'm just coming in from an outside look, outsider looking in. But every time I walk into the Facebook Philippines office, I always envision myself like, shit, if I'm not doing a startup, I would love to work here because I, the office is fucking fantastic, of, of course. But more than anything, there's just, I couldn't put my finger on it, but you, I felt like you had such an amazing culture that I also feel whenever it's F8, I go to, uh, you know, it's the same fucking feeling. What's the Facebook culture like? And what's it like working for a company like that? And especially coming from a founding team here locally. So from my perspective, I think, yeah, and you're right. If you were running a startup, uh, definitely being in a tech company or one of these uh, fan companies are definitely right. like the highlights, right? Mm -hmm. What I would say is, one, the community that's there is highly, you know, impact driven. That's one thing. Everyone was driving for impact down to their own individual contribution everyone wanted to feel that they could help those big gears move and it's not that i'm just one cog but i'm a vital cog you take yes, me out every you are so so that's that's the whole work um perspective of each individual mm -hmm. and so they run extremely lean and because it was lean you could also see and measure how much impact you're driving across not just the country but region and globally that's amazing. All right, now let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's talk about Quanta and pay it forward because I have so many questions that are now popping into my head. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Sure. 
Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTime deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. 
Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back in the break. We're still with Ash Mania, who now is no longer with Facebook, which again, I got shook when I found that, that uh, out about that because I'm pretty sure you don't leave the nest like that for uh, whatever opportunity because now this guy is the CEO of Quanta Digital. So walk us through this. How Again, it's if I again I, I told you earlier before the break that if I was in Facebook in a in a if I if I was in a startup founder, I would love to work for for a Facebook or a Google because it felt amazing, just free food and whatnot, right? What made you leave, and what what's this new challenge you're embarking on uh, now, being the head honcho and CEO of Quanta Digital? Well, uh, well, thanks for that question. Maybe um, before I say I want to leave, it was always starting up my own company was always somewhat the apex of my like dream. Like you climb the corporate ladder, but not just to get to the top, but to learn as long along the way. And once you get to a point where you're just waiting for your boss to quit or die, then the next step <laughs> is you start your own company, right? Uh, so I think that's that's part of it. Um, my dad was a, a businessman. He was an entrepreneur in his time. And I think, you know, for a lot of us, uh, those of us who, like me, are late jumpers, um, the hesitation is really the failure uh, the fear of failure, right? And you know, one at one point or the other, you're like, let's pull the plug, let's yeah, do it. So like a bad band Just yes. pull it. Yep. Right. So, you to pull so it. I think like, you know, well, um, so you, you were mentioning Saul earlier and you yeah. know, former CEO Andrew. of Quanta, Tristan and mm-hmm. Andrew, all these guys were people I got in touch, I stayed in touch with, and yeah. I'm also still in touch with. Inaj, who was my CEO back in Lazada, and seeing them just kind of do things, there was always that slight envy. Like, I'm here, I'm secure, I'm in a company that's going to keep me cocooned and, you know. Um, as pay much you as, nicely? You know, yeah, pay me nicely. Um, and, you know, not like if I do really bad, I won't have anything to draw as payroll kind of activity. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I get a performance evaluation discussion maybe but not like oh there's no money in the bank for you this month because you didn't do right so i think that's basically the fear right like what if i don't make it what if i fail what if but there's always that in at night when you're lying down what if i succeed what Mm. if it works and that's always that you know balance there and in my head like i'm not getting any older um, I remember, you know, so just probably back in SM, I got to meet a lot of the people who are now, such as you, like successful business people who sold their businesses, started up multiple times and, you know, are just successful. And I'm like, before I was evaluating, I remember Brian, uh, Brian now, like such a, a CEO from Grab and yep. he's now with, you know, uh, JG uh, Summit, right? Yeah. No, he uh, also has his own new startup that does the GP yeah, thing. Yeah, the GP yeah. one. 
Yeah, so 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 definitely. I remember him asking if he could put a stall to hail taxis outside the arena, right? And uh, you know that that guy was like maybe two years ago. You wouldn't imagine that he was the guy pitching, and I was on the other hand listening and saying like, "How much will you pay me if I let you put a stand?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so definitely, I think. Seeing that kind of success mm-hmm. makes you go like you know. Of course, I've seen a few people try and fail, but yeah, there's there are always you know for every ten that tries, one probably succeeds. But yeah. those that succeed, I keep asking, how did you do it? And I think at Facebook, I was fortunate enough. Like my, uh, so when I started, I didn't have a local boss, but halfway through. I got a local boss, which was former CEO of uh, Gcash, right, John Rubio, and half my my boss catch up says, like, don't you miss being in Gcash? Uh, was it fun? How did you right. start up? And and all you know, he'll tell you the stories that he went through, very much like how I'm sharing right. here today. And and that, as much as you know, it inspired me to do a good job inside. It kept right. telling me like, maybe I should try that too. So there was that. There's yeah. that. Wow, so, John Rubio. Think, so it's it's you, John, that pushed him over to <laughs> Partly, partly. And, oh, and of course, man, I'll give credit to Inaj, right? Also. Yeah. Uh, so Inaj started funding a number of people, a lot bunch of ex Lazada. He's part of the founders for Quanta as well. Yep. So definitely credit there too. That's it. Again, and I could imagine that. And I'm pretty sure a lot of current corporates who feel that itch now are listening to the shows like, Mm-mm-mm. thank right. you, Ashman. This is the sign. We will all jump as well. But again, uh, I want to find out now, now you're in the seat, Quanta. What's what's different? How scary is it? Is it as scary as you imagined? It's like, or did you feel like, holy shit, I'm equipped for this. I can do this. Uh, some days you have that, like, I can do this feeling. There are some days like, Oh, I didn't anticipate this. Yep. Uh, so definitely, it's a mix. So mm-hmm. on that roller coaster, I, I think you know, as long as it's slightly skewing up to the right, yep. uh, we're in a good path. But mm-hmm. from my feel, I think you have to learn to self-motivate. Is one thing, right? Um, especially pandemic when you're working alone or you're working yep. from home. Uh, so saying like, why did I do this in the middle of a global crisis, <laughs> jump out and start <laughs> when everyone was trying to, how do I uh, secure things? Uh, we go and go the, do the opposite. And yeah. well, my take there is the people who did work or start and maybe even go back to Essen, the story of Essen is in the middle of a pandemic, he built out, uh, so Henry C. built out like North Edsa or Mega Mall in the middle of, right after EDSA revolution where everyone left the Philippines, he was saying, I'm building the biggest mall in Asia at that time. So definitely a little bit from there and a little bit from seeing people go. And also, I think one part is also seeing the need. I think Mm. um, seeing so many businesses try to pivot, not get the support, not know who to go to um, and probably chase the wrong metrics because they don't know any better, right? So mm. so definitely there's that as well. Got it. Now let's paint the, the real picture here. So Quanta Digital, what do you guys do and what's the value prop now as, as, a, as a new company to achieve as the CEO? 
basically a good chunk of what we do is enabling commerce online, right? So we do everything from uh, building out your um, e-commerce platform or customizing your Shopify store, um, pulling in, say, what I've learned from Facebook for data and how you manage that data. And uh, if one thing that Facebook knows how to do well is actually weaponize it, yeah, shouldn't use that term. Uh, <laughs> no weapon. Sorry, not weaponize in a bad way. But I no, mean, no, like, if I were a business, funny. if I were a business, right? I know who I want to target, and it's and their line. It's their line, not me. But instead of people finding your products, it's basically your people. Your product finding the right people, and um, I think at this day and age, when you know foot traffic is dropping by like 50, 60. Yes. Last year, in the height of the pandemic, it was as low as 70% drop. Like, wow. you want, if that was your core source of income, you had a store in the mall, you're probably closing shop because 30% doesn't even cover your rent oh, and your payroll. So, so all those things, you're looking at how do I pivot? And basically, you know, like you, you were saying, you, you know, chatbot and uh, even say podcasts, these are solutions that have been around and technology is probably years ahead and it's readily available, but right. the human adoption of it is probably four or five years behind. And so yeah. how do we get them up that step um, and make them feel secure that they can walk up that step is basically what we're doing. So that and of course, uh, the advertising part of it, uh, I think we do certain things uh, relatively different. We're not just pure brand. We definitely yeah. do branding, but definitely return on ad spend. And we do have this metric, which is aside from return on ad spend, we look at cost per incremental revenue. So I think that's mm. the killer there. So I think, you know, the thought there is for, if I want 1000 pesos more in sales, okay. how much should I pay? And if you could get that number down, then we could work. And in theory, that's an endless uh, channel for sales for you and growth for your company. Because it's economies of scale. As as you lower the exactly. cost, you know, it, that that would just that that margin is just going to go bigger and bigger and bigger through time. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And and then if if your sales feed to that cost, then you know you sell a thousand, you get that five hundred back, put it into the ch- uh, churn, and then you sell uh, two this time, and then right. kind of multiplies. Then it becomes so a monster. Definitely, that's where to go. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Now I want to find out again. You as head honcho now, who did you surround yourself with? Because you can't do this alone, man. You need to be able to make sure that you have the right Avengers with you. Now, with again, you self motivating, motivating, self motivating yourself, and have to motivate them as well, and make sure they all hit their metrics as well. So, well, I think first of all, I think um, I'm lucky to be, you know, so this is not jump off the building completely without a parachute, right? Uh, At the very least, I jumped off and I partnered with, or I have partners uh, starting this and a couple of them are like Nick Snoledo and Inaj are definitely behind it. And then- Wow, holy shit, are you kidding me? What up, Nick? Yeah. Yeah, so so I have that them as mentors. I definitely check in with them on a weekly, get guidance on ideas, and they definitely build on it. And that in itself is worth worth a lot. 
in terms of learning, that sheer guidance there. Also valuation. <laughs> right, right. Definitely. definitely. Uh, on top of that, I think, you know, checking in with other founders. So, you know, like Andrew, so we get to chat every now and then. Yep. Uh, that's definitely helpful. And then I'm also lucky that, you know, I've kept good relationships with people that I used to work with. So I still go check in uh, with John and, you know, grab a uh, drink and say, like, you know, this is what I'm going through. You were nice. my former manager. Um, what would you coach me on today? So definitely keep a few mentors that you feel you'll have value from. And, you know, at the stage where I'm in, um, I have a number of mentors mm -hmm. that I go through. And definitely there's still a lot of learning. Got it. Now let's pay it forward. I want to ask you some very deep entrepreneurial questions because we all have this thing that always keeps you up at night. It basically changes all the time, but there's usually, usually common themes around these things that keeps us entrepreneurs at night. What are those things that, you know, sometimes as you grow along and you, be, you become better and, you know, compartmentalizing things, you know that ah, I shouldn't be stressing about that. But there are some of these motherfucking problems that really follow you all the way to your bedside. What are these things that always keep you up at night? Uh, Ash, just want to find out. Well, I think the first, and this is probably like, I probably underestimated the level of it. Uh, but as a startup, there's a lot of HR work. Uh, yeah. So, because <laughs> so, one, for example, working for a brand like Facebook, like mm -hmm. the brand sells itself. Yep. People are going or applying to join that company because of who it is already. Mm -hmm. Now, what I have right now is an idea, and I'm Correct. telling the rest of them that, hey, we will be this someday. But Correct. as of today, I need your participation to get us there. And definitely that's. Um, that, that, that in itself is a lot of work, right? You, you take a look at making sure you're mentoring so many people, yep. um, and enabling them to get on board. And that takes a good chunk of my time. I, I think today is making sure that we have the right people and they are being nurtured correctly. Got it. Nick Fury mode, as I like to call it, you know, you're always right. re recruiting either the Avengers or the Scrolls. To help you out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Done. So, by the way, looking for Avengers, if you yeah. guys are in the market, I'll there hire. <laughs> and not just that, dude. You are going to be mentored by one of the best out there. He's overripe even. I'm, I'm just actually, uh, I'm, I'm actually just uh, surprised that he just jumped out now. But this guy can teach you a bunch of killer moves. So if you're out here listening, if you want to jump into a startup environment and learn Lazada, Facebook-based best practices, this is the guy. I guarantee it. Okay. Now, I want to understand, Ash. At the end of the day, through and through, I think, if, if uh, let me know if this is wrong or right. Your 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 core skill will always be revolving around marketing, right? Uh, right. Right. Now, what are the tools you like to use? Because you know you have to, aside from the skill, you have to have the right tools to make sure you you're able to achieve this the, the things you like. Well, what are the go to tools that you like to use uh, in 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 doing your craft in marketing? So I think uh, maybe let me quantify that question in terms of. Mm -hmm. Implementing marketing or running in the marketing business. Uh, let me 
Per, oh, probably oh, clarify that. Yeah, let's let's do the implementation and running. Okay, let, let's let, let's. Okay, <laughs> so I think on the implementation, you have to always be testing. I think that is one thing, right? Uh, the sheer space of change yes. means that you have to actually know what's the best. Whatever was best last year is no longer the best this year, right? And user behavior last year has also changed. And so what you have to do is constantly be testing to prove to yourself that that is actually working and not just say that, you know, uh, somebody told me this is the best way to do things, but actually test it out and see for yourself, does it work? And when it does, then use it until it doesn't anymore. Yes. And while, and uh, before that happens, you already are prepping your next best weapon. Cool. So generally that's the approach. Got it. Now, in terms of, again, you implementing, implementing, but is there tools you like to use for planning your next big weapon or forging your next big uh, Mjolnir, per se? I think on the planning side, the good part is the fundamentals are constant. So, mm-hmm. or that if ever they change, they're slowly changing. So I could, a couple of things, right? Um, so I don't read too fast. I'm not a fast reader. So I rely on audiobooks, you know, to kind of help me catch up. Yeah, and podcasts and podcasts, of course. Uh, podcasts and audiobooks to keep you informed, right? Definitely hearing from people that have done things and catching up on that is definitely a good source of learning. Um, so that's one step. Then the other one is when you're looking at how do you do things? I think always think of where the customers are. I think more than anything, sometimes, you know, startup founders kind of get carried away on their fantastic ideas and yes. just building it out. So the biggest, biggest QA, more than your tech guy, more than your CMO or your CTO is the QA from your customers. What are they saying about your product or your service and how could you improve it, right? And on that note, I mean, it's okay to fail as long as you learn and then build from it. So that's generally it. All right. Sounds good. Now, let's just talk and then pay it forward to those people who are once, who, who are now in your shoes, you know, pitching in-house, have these great ideas to a conglomerate, but probably are having mixed results. What would be your advice for those people that... Um, are currently in a conglomerate trying to pitch in uh, a big digital marketing uh, thing that that you know uh, he thinks would be worthwhile for the big company because you you've been successful at this and I'm pretty sure there's a lot more people who are still in this stage of their career eventually following your footsteps. But while they're here, what would be your advice? Well, my recommendation is have a side hustle. Uh, I think. Mm. Um, what you don't see on my resume, but it's there, is I also worked with so many startups on the side um, doing different things and, you know, sitting in as a, either an advisor or probably helping them as an expert in certain things or sometimes managing a single project on the side. If you do have that capacity, explore. If you have the funds, build your own. And, um, you know... Yeah, there's a lot of the people that have succeeded or shifted from side hustle to main hustle by just exploring on the side. So that's one thing I'd recommend 
it also feeds into your business because learning you see in your side hustle, you take into a con conglomerate and say, you know, this is what the small guys are doing. And your input from what the small guys are doing is because you're that small guy too. Uh, of course, clear that with the bosses. Don't get conflict of interest. So, but generally, that will work. All right, last question. If you were to give young Ash, who's starting out his career, uh, have the ability to you know, uh, talk to him and give him advice, or what would, is there something that you would like to give him advice on? The young Ash that you were starting out this digital marketing career, what would be your advice to yourself? I think, and to your point, right, I'm, I'm probably one of the right versions of these startups. Mm -hmm. uh, I, would have, I would tell myself to start sooner. Um, mm -hmm. I probably spent a good chunk of my 20s partying too much. Uh, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, like, oh, it should have been a nice balance of what right. did I want to build? And I think have that clarity. So one thing I picked up from Facebook, and I think this is one um, key thing is, you know, they down to a cell level, like an individual level, Facebook instills clarity of vision. Like you have to know what does your year end like at a minimum. And I think, um, you know, as a young person entering college or starting your job, a lot of things are like whatever falls on your lap kind of behavior. Yeah. And so I envy, I envy the young guys I meet today who are basically creating startups at the age of what, 21, 22, yep. getting funded, uh, getting Y Combinator of, shit. I'm like, what the hell are these guys doing? <laughs> exactly. Like, like what were you studying in high school to do right. that at 21? Right. But, Correct. Uh, and don't you have a girlfriend or something like that? <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely i don't know um definitely i think if i could advise myself i think i'd start early so yeah. you you mentioned a few people that definitely started early they had a lot more focus in terms of where they wanted to go at yeah. 21 mm -hmm. um I, I i got that clarity probably in my later 20s than mm -hmm. uh than the rest so that's basically it well, that, well, the most important thing is, is, the mo uh, is that you jump. Take that fucking right. leap because nothing is going to happen if you're just like playing the what if game. Like, what if? What could it have yeah. been? Right. And a lot of people retire that way. Right. Or right. again, uh, they don't have the energy to keep up with the pace anymore. I think this is the right sweet spot. And again, congratulations in advance, Ash, for all the amazing stuff that you're doing but before i let you go please invite people over to check out what you guys and if they want to work with you in quanta what do they do and how did they do that so um basically if you are a startup and you want to get uh support in marketing uh definitely you know you have your goals your targets and you need guidance uh reach out i'm happy to chat either as a client or as a friend um happy to do explore that and if we could service you definitely we will work with you towards those metrics i think uh one thing i'll do differently is i'll put my skin in the game right um like i'll change the way we are caught and if you don't hit your goal then i don't hit my cog goals as well Correct. um and that's definitely some different way of building things out uh just to know that i have my skin in the game for you yeah. 
Put your money where your mouth is right there. Again, right. thanks very much, Ashman. Before I let you go, follow us in whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And again, if we did say a lot of jargon, which I think we did, it's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And again, if you want to be involved in how we grow this community, because we are now nearing our second anniversary and we have some surprise guests for you. Woo-hoo! Follow us in what a hustle share community on Facebook. And lastly, I still have the chatbot going on. Message us in our hustle share chatbot at m.me slash hustle share powered by chatbot ph to message us of any guest suggestions that you have. And again, Ash, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ron. It was a pleasure joining your show. Uh, I'll probably listen to it more often than I used to <laughs> and hear from the rest of the founders you get on board and wonder how they're doing things and how can I do things better. So, yeah, thanks for doing Appreciate this. This is a great again, service to the country. Again, for your future success. It's just a matter of time. And again, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.